0: Hey, how's it going? Church, you all right? Yeah. yeah, a bit undecided. We'll get there. Don't worry. We'll get there. My name is Jamie, and I am the youth worker here at FBC. I want to start off by saying a massive, great, big thank you. Thank you, church. I love my job. I love getting to do what I do every week, and that's because of you guys, and I just really appreciate that, and I didn't want to miss the opportunity. Now, the reason I'm not over here that much, we call it Big Church, We call it Big Church. Some of you call it Boring Church, and that's mean, right? You don't do that anymore. I know you are. Big Church is that normally shape our our youth group that I lead is over in the infant school hall, just across the road. And yeah, I'm spending a couple of hours with teenagers every Sunday morning. Some of you think, oh, that doesn't sound like a great thing to do, James. I'll tell you what, it's my highlight of the week. I love it, these teenagers are so deep and hilarious and sincere and fun, and it is um, it's just a pleasure doing a little bit of life with them and getting to know them is the best. Um, my kind of role and the best bit of my job is helping young people develop a faith of their own, and that's what kind of gets me out of bed in the morning, that's what gets me uh, raring to go. Um, so as well as a youth worker, I am Amy's husband, and I'm Jude's dad, you can see Jude just here. On the end of the lads, Jude's just basically one of the lads. He's closer to 15 months there, but he thinks he's 15 years old at least. Uh, So he likes, thank you, Shape, for hanging out with him. It's been a massive pleasure um, bringing up a baby in a a community of caring teenagers. It's been really awesome, having loads of teenagers, just cheering us on and loving our boy. It's been so good. And Amy, Shape just wouldn't be what it is without you, love. Thank you so much for your kindness and consistency. It's amazing. So... Today is a celebration. It's a big deal today. Church, are you excited? Are you ready? Yeah, come on. We're gonna get even more excited because this is a huge deal. You know what, Um, it's gonna happen today. The reason that that, uh, we've placed the band so precariously close to some water is that uh, we're gonna have some baptisms today. And baptism is all about publicly declaring your kind of faith commitment to Jesus. And that is a wonderful thing, and a great thing to celebrate. Um, And I've got to tell you, I'm buzzing. But before we get to the really fun part of baptism, and before we get to see these amazing testimonies, you're going to have to put up with me for a little bit. Is that all right? I would love to talk to you about just why I'm so excited. Why am I so buzzed to be here today? Because you know what? Um, Baptism is, like I said, it's a statement of faith. It's a big statement of commitment to Jesus. And that's exciting and inspiring. But if we're all honest with ourselves, maybe this is just me, when we hear commitment, maybe we're not always excited. Sometimes when it comes to a commitment decision, maybe we're not always inspired. Sometimes we go, oh, commitment, oh. Let me give you an example. Someone comes up to you and they say, hey, do you want to come to my New Year's Eve party? And you're like, oh gosh, if I say yes to this one, how many New Year's Eve parties I'm going to have to say no to. You're thinking, oh, it sounds really cool, and I like this person, I kind of want to go, but if I commit early, you're like, it's October, chill out. Like, um, if I commit early, think of all the things that I'm not going to. Anyone else with me on that? Just me? Commit a Okay. Okay. Um, it's not just New Year's Eve parties that can be tricky to kind of go all in for straight away. Sometimes me and Amy will like wait all week to get an evening together and we're like, oh, let's catch a film. It'll be loads of fun. We'll watch a film and we sit down and we're like, okay, let's choose it. And instead of committing to a film, leaning in for a couple of hours together, sharing that moment together, mainly what we do is we go, what do you want to watch on Netflix today? I don't know, we just scroll and scroll and scroll through the endless films that are on Netflix. It feels like every film that has ever been made is on there, and it can be hard to make one choice, because it feels like you're saying no to all the other films. Also, the, like, the types of films that both me and Amy will like, that's quite a narrow band of films. It's hard to find them all the time. <laughs> it's like, does it, does it have a happy ending? I'm like, I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> um, the other thing that is, uh, well, So that kind of option paralysis sometimes makes it hard to commit. It feels like we're so connected to all these things, and we've got all these options, and maybe commitment feels like a limitation. Well, my response to that in the past has just gone, all right, there's a lot of options. They all seem really good. I'm going to go for a blanket, yes to all. You ever seen that film, Bruce Almighty, when he's kind of getting all those emails? Yes to all, send, boom, easy peasy. Now, let me be honest with you, that doesn't always go that well. You should have seen me the first time my family took us to a Toby Carvery. I was about 15 or 16, and I'd never experienced all you can eat. It was a revelation to me, and I went up, so you go to Toby Carvery, you get your meat, and you can choose three meats, and then like, the next bit, you can have as much as you want. I was like, come again? Because I was used to fighting my brother to get the last kind of like bit of stuffing on Sunday afternoon. I can have as much as I want to as much as you want. Now, I didn't know that it turns out you can go Back and kind of, so I just thought, right, this is, this is your shot. Shoot your shot, boy. Get as much as you can. So go to the vegetables, right? There's about five different types of potato. And I was like, these are all good options. They're all great. I'm going to have mashed, I'm going to have new potato. I'm going to have roast potato. I'm going to have a bit of sweet, a bit of parsnip. That was just the first layer of food. And I repeated that and repeated that. as so I went down the line filling up this roast that kind of turned into a volcano. of like gravy dripping all over it. It was great, and I went back to my table, barely holding it up. My sister went, what are you doing? I was like, I came to eat. She was like, you're not sitting on our table, I'm too embarrassed. And I was like, to be honest, sis, I wasn't going to talk to you anyway. I came here to eat. (laughs) Stick it down, just get through it all. Yes to all. Didn't know what to choose, so I just said yes to everything. It was great for the kind of half hour I was eating it. To be honest, the last 10 minutes were pretty tricky, and then the rest of the afternoon was a bit of a (laughs) write-off. You know, sometimes we can apply that kind of thinking, that yes to all, to like maybe some social situations. Maybe you've got a clash. I'm always having my diary come up with clashes and there's multiple things that I would love to do, people that I would love to spend time with. And I kind of go, well, I don't want to say no, I don't want to, but I don't want to commit to just one yes to all. And what happens is I end up going just quickly and saying, oh, hi, how's it going? Maybe put someone's house. Oh, I've got to run. And then I go to the next thing and oh hi yes, yeah, great. Oh cool. And then I've got to run. And really, rather I think that commitment is kind of like if I commit to one, I'm missing out on the others. Whereas if I just say yes to all and kind of lightly touch at all of that, then really I'm missing out on everything. You know, I think one of the reasons I struggle with the idea of commitment, and maybe one of the reasons that we struggle with the idea of commitment is it feels like a narrowing of our options. It can feel like there's all these things that we could do, and if we commit to one, that's some way restrictive, that that's somewhere, uh, in some some way, uh, kind of lessens our choice. But you know what? Uh, I think if we apply this kind of way of thinking about commitment to faith, we are drastically missing the point. Drastically missing the point because following Jesus, committing in Jesus is not about a restriction of options, it's not about a narrowing of life, it's about a vast expansion of what life can be like. It's about a massive growing of your horizon about what it can mean to follow God and live out love. You know Jesus always says these things better let's have a look at what Jesus said about stuff like this Jesus said I have come that they may have life and life to the full. Does that sound like a narrowing of options? No. Does it sound like commitment to Jesus in that case is like a, a lessening? No. It, he's offering us broad, full, deep life in all its fullness. You know, some other translations say life more abundantly. How beautiful is that? And You know, that's my experience of, of following God, actually, is that it's been... Uh, life and all its fullness, life, uh, the agony and the ecstasy, the, the kind of mountain and the valley, and going through it with people. It's, um, it's an incredible thing. You know, there is one place in our culture where we kind of understand this idea of uh, commitment leading to full life, commitment leading to more opportunities, not less, and that's uh, a wedding. We all love a wedding, don't we? Who doesn't love a wedding? It's great, you get to dress up all sharp, you get free food, a bit of booze, you get, you get kind of a dance, it's great. Um, but really, oh, look, this is us getting mad, can't give it an ah, oh. oh. ah. was, was going to kill me for this, but that's absolutely fine. Um, so, uh, weddings are great, and the reason they're great, other than all of those things, is that we stand with a couple and we celebrate them taking a, a, a pub, well, they're making a public declaration of their love and commitment to one another and we don't see that, that commitment as narrowing or constraining but actually we can see that commitment as the start of this beautiful adventure the start of something more a broadening of life and I love that no young people you know my yes to all policy doesn't work with relationships okay don't do that that's not a yes to all thing in marriage we celebrate them forsaking all others right, forsaking all others uh, and loving one person. we see that as a beautiful, uh, wonderful uh, commitment. And we celebrate it, and rightly so. Now, uh, sometimes, well, sorry, honest newlyweds will say to you that there's, there's no way, even at that party and that celebration, there's no way of guaranteeing that the rest of life is going to be just so. There's no way of saying, yeah, I love you and I'll marry you as long as we're kind of comfortable and it's easy and happy and, and as long as it's fine, I'll commit. That's not what it's about. It's in sickness and health and all the difficulties and they're still coming. It's a beautiful thing. You know, when I got married to Amy, I was 24 years old and some people said that was too young and a worrying amount of people said to Amy, like, are you sure? There's still time. Like, have you, do you really know him? And I can understand where they're coming from. I did not have a lot to offer. I didn't have a career. I didn't have a lot to offer financially. You know, our first flat, you could open the front door and fry some bacon at the same time. It was so small. In fact, it was so small, you know, some flats we say, I, can, I don't have to unplug the hoover, to hoover. You could hoover it from one place. Just like this. It was really easy to clean. <laughs> um, so I, I didn't have a whole bunch to offer Amy uh, materially. Or or great prospects in my career, but what I was saying on our wedding day, what we were saying is: look, we don't know what life's going to hold, we don't know what's going to come, but you know what? This is the person I want to journey with. This is the person I want to go through life with, and that's a beautiful thing. And and there's similarities today, from uh, weddings to baptisms. Today we're we're witnessing two incredible individuals. Publicly de- declare their love and commitment to Jesus, a commitment that opens up their whole life to a range of possibilities. That it couldn't be further from a narrowing of opportunities, but something beautiful and new. In fact, the symbolism of baptism kind of shows us this. You know, we're going to get these guys in the pool, and you might be like, "Why are you doing this?" What's- well, Jesus said to do it, and that's normally good enough for me. But um, there's loads of symbolism too. So as uh, uh, the back tea, I suppose, is that a word goes down into the water. That's a symbol of the old things passing away. And as they come back up, it's a sign of new life. All right, that's the recognition of commitment here. And now, in the testimonies that we are going to hear, you're going to hear uh, that life hasn't been easy. It hasn't been straightforward already. But these uh, these awesome people are going to say, you know what? It's been difficult, but I trust in Jesus going forward. I don't know what the future holds but I know who holds it and I trust them and faith like that is a beautiful and powerful thing you know it's been um, it's been my experience uh, in faith that it's like a great adventure my my following Jesus has, has led me on a great adventure it's definitely not been easy what great adventure is What great thing is super easy all the time? No, no, it's not easy, but it has stretched me out of my comfort zones. It's taken me to places I never thought I'd go. It's literally taken me round the world, but more importantly, it's taken me to places relationally with people that I never thought I'd go. When I was preparing this talk, I was praying and thinking of something to share that kind of helped you see this. And this is a random story, but I'm going to share it anyway. I was 16, and I didn't get on that well with my next-door neighbour. She was a lovely old lady, but bless her, for 16 years, I'd just been booting the ball against her garage, and as I got bigger, the ball got kicked harder and things started falling off, and I was always over the wall in her garden and getting things I shouldn't and getting in trouble, and it was hard living next door to me, (laughs) and one day I was praying and I felt like God said, you need to kind of go and make some peace with your neighbor, and I was like, I ain't doing that. And then I prayed about it some more, and I thought, I don't, I don't want to do this. I don't know what we're going to do. So I bucked up the courage, and I knocked on her door. And she said, hello? <laughs> and I was like, can I have a cup of tea? <laughs> and we sat down, and I chatted to my neighbor. And, you know, it was a beautiful thing. She told me all about how the estate used to be and what she used to be able to see out of her window and the farm that used to be there before they built all the houses. And um, we, we kind of, there was peace there. And that relationship was better, and it was restored from then on. And we smiled, and she had jokes rather than uh, me just trying to make sure she didn't see me jump into a garden to get the ball back. That seems like a small thing, but you know what? I think faith in Jesus can, can take our ordinary, everyday, simple lives and make them extraordinary. I think that was extraordinary. I think that Jesus can make any conversation like pray into it, lean into it, lean into God and he can take our lives and make them meaningful and deep and use us to encourage and bless and help others. That's the best. So, are we excited, church? Well, that's not enough. I'm going to keep going until you are. You know, If you ever get off this stage, you're going to have to pipe up at some point, okay? So I'm going to keep going. Right, let's lean into the Bible. Let's have a little look. Uh, what the Bible has to say about this. So, there's this bloke called Paul. And he's one of the um, biblical authors. And he had a transformational uh, experience of Jesus. Totally changed his life. And it changed pretty much everyone that he met. And you know what? It's changed millions of people's lives since who've read his writings which make up a whole bunch of the New Testament. He's a pretty serious bloke. So he had uh, visited uh, Sorry, the verse that we're about to read. It's, it's part of a letter to churches in Galatia. This this place. And uh, he'd uh, visited this region when he was teaching and preaching. And we can read about that in Acts. And he'd gone to this region and he'd preached the good news. Do you know what the good news is? He was saying, look, guys, you can have right relationship with God. We call it like righteousness. You can live in right relationship with God. Great. You can become a part of God's family. Wow. You can be forgiven and live lives that forgive others. Oh, amazing. You can be transformed by the love of God, by God's grace. You can let that transform your life. And people go Paul, what do we need to do? What can I do? And he says trust in Jesus. Believe in him. Follow him. That's the way to go. And these, uh, these guys in Glacier, they took on this grace message and they uh, lived it out for a while. And They started churches. But then, uh, after a while, some other religious guys came. The religious teachers and said, oh, you know, you thought it was all easy and you just had to believe. Well, actually, if you want that right relationship with God, if you want to be a part of his family, if you want um, love and grace of your life and forgiveness, here's some rules that you need to obey. And they, they kind of ported all the rules from the Old Testament and applied them to these, these young Christians. Now, there's like 600, over 600 rules in the Old Testament. That's a very big deal. And they governed things from like what you wore and um, what you did on certain days and what you ate. And uh, it was kind of stifling these guys. And that is in great contradiction into what Paul was preaching. He was saying it's all about grace. It's all about believing in Jesus. And uh, so it's into this context that Paul writes this. He says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And I can almost feel the frustration... As Paul writes this, he's like, come on, guys, you know this. You already know this. You know it's not about anything that you could possibly do, or any rules that you might follow, or any uh, law that you might obey. It's about what Jesus has already done. Get your eyes off yourself and get your eyes onto him. Don't get bogged down in these rules and laws. That were supposed to point you to God in the first place. Don't get so bogged down in them that you miss out on God altogether. Paul was no stranger to this law culture. In fact, he grew up in it. He understood it well, and he could see its flaws. He could see that the law in and of itself wasn't saving anyone. It was condemning people. They were just feeling bad because they weren't getting it done. And into that, he speaks freedom. Now freedom, it ain't about just doing what you like, when you like, okay? That's sometimes what we would like freedom to be. You know, like, oh, I've got some free time. Free time is my time. Let's go, right? Not really, okay? And we know that's not actually what freedom means. No, like doing what I want, when I want, that's selfishness. Freedom is about choosing to follow Jesus and, and, and live in an expansive, new, beautiful life because of what he's done for us. And, and Paul's writing in Galatians, it's all about rules not being why we do things, but relationship. Doing things out of relationship, not out of regulation. And I think that is um, the type of freedom that he's talking about. Paul really underlines it with the next sentence, the second half of this verse. when he says, Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. Wow. Paul is not mucking about when he's talking about this law, when he's talking about these rules which are p- keeping people down. Maybe that's how you've seen Christianity. There's a set of laws and rules that will, will bog you down. Okay, this is what... Paul says into that, no, it's for freedom that we are set free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourself be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. You know, I think it's worth expanding on what that freedom looks like. If it's not just what I want to do, when I want to do it, what does it look like? Well, here's some things that that freedom means, okay? Uh, Freedom sets us free from our own selfishness. So that we can live beautiful lives of generosity and self-sacrifice and love in others and putting other people first. That's God's freedom. It can free, God can free us up from our mess and the problems and the trouble that we've, that we've caused in our lives and those around us. He can forgive us and free us to live lives where we forgive other people. And deal with that kind of seed of bitterness in our hearts. He frees us from our own anxiety and low self-worth by telling us that we are loved sons and daughters of the King. Amen. Come on. Yes, i I've I've been been training them to do that. That was pretty weak, guys. I need some more. (laughs) You know, um, I met this guy who really lived this stuff up. Uh, he, He was... Born in New Zealand, he brought his family up there. And what happened was he ended up uh, feeling like God was saying something to me. He felt like God was saying, I want you to go to India uh, and I want you to show love uh, to poor people there. And that's quite a broad call. There's a lot of people uh, and there's a lot of uh, poverty in India at the time. And he takes his family and they move out there and they get th- this apartment, right? And they to they this, get this apartment in the middle of the day. And uh, when they got in the apartment, it looked nice and it was fine. They said, yeah, we'll take it. That night, they realized that that apartment was in the middle of the red light district in Kolkata, the biggest red light district in Calcutta. So he just pulled his family over he said, what am I going to do? And he starts uh, loving the community and reaching out. And in the end, they decide to start a business, which um, helps women out of slavery, and it gives them jobs in a factory where they make bags. Uh, which they sell on to conferences over here in the West. And that business has grown and bloomed and blossomed, and loads of women have come out of slavery and into freedom. And it is the most beautiful thing. I got to work in this factory once a week for six months, and it was just pure joy. They used to have these crazy, massive, like water fights in the middle of the factory. They were having such a great time. These women were overjoyed that they were bound, and now they've been brought into freedom. And all because this guy uh, felt like his commitment to Jesus was this big adventure, and he'd go wherever Jesus wanted him to go. So who knows what commitment means to you? It might be like me when I was 16. There's someone that you could maybe make peace with. It feels like a small step, but that's really important. Who knows what it means for you today? Uh, Maybe something that would help is, is Paul explaining it further. Okay. When he's preaching this and telling the Galatians about this grace way of living, this this way where you just trust in Jesus and the laws are secondary, but you you put your faith in him, the religious teachers are kind of going, Paul, yeah, but mate, it's going to be anarchy. They're just going to run riot. Without these laws in place, keeping people where they should be, what's going to happen? And in, in contrast to that, Paul says, no, 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 no. What's going to happen is if people put their faith in Jesus, and live by the Spirit, that's kind of God's Spirit, Holy Spirit, that part of God that dwells within us, Uh, then they're going to be led into lives of love and peace. And and here's what he says. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And he signs it off with this. Against these things, there is no law. I love that. He's like, take that. Ain't no law against this. This is the way we want to live. What a beautiful way of doing life. I wonder, as you look at these words, what stands out to you? Is there anything in there you think, oh, I I just need some more of that. My encouragement as we pray, as we hear these testimonies. is pray, ask God for that. God's a giving God. He's good. And I'm sure that um, as we lean in and read over this and think about it, uh, there's, there's goodness for us to receive. I'd just like to close Uh, with this. When my dad was uh, baptized a long time ago, and actually subsequently when I was baptized, uh, a guy initially said to him, look, mate, if if Jesus means to you what I think he means to you, you're going to have a great life. Didn't mean great as in you'll be a celebrity, you'll be loaded, you'll have no troubles, not at all, not at all. It meant you'll have a great life. You'll live deeply. You'll live life to the full. You know, my dad's got some stories. He, he was mentoring this gang in London. A bloke broke a pool cue over his head in a fight. Later, he found out that that bloke had become a deacon at a church. Years and years and years later. How cool is that? All right? He lived life. He's living life to the full. And that's what I repeat to our guys getting baptized today. I'm so pumped to be here. I'm so glad to be cheering you on. I'm so glad to know you. I'm so glad that we get to celebrate with you today. And if Jesus means to you what I think he means to you, you're going to have great lives. You're going to live well. You're going to love deeply. And knowing you both as I do, I know that you already do. So we are here just to cheer you on and celebrate you and big you up as you take this next step on this massive adventure. So church, shall we give it up for these people? So let's give it up and say, we love you, we celebrate you. You're awesome. Well done. Come on. That's good. Lord God, I just thank you for uh, Charity and Lana and their steps of faith today. I pray you bless them. And I pray for everyone here as we kind of see commitment and... uh, and, and wrestle with what that means to us, Lord. We know it's not always a big jump of baptism. Sometimes it's little steps. And Father, I pray now as we sing and as we reflect, uh, you'd work at our hearts and show us what that next step is of faith towards you. Amen.